we're on the last bit of keys to heaven's uh, economy. We went over eight keys. Uh, we went over the six keys to heaven's resources, to accessing heaven's resources. And now these are the last two keys and probably, probably some of the funnest keys. So the first, uh, before we get into the keys, let me read you the scripture that says uh, what our covenant is with God. We, we go into a relationship, even though that we're in the new covenant, God's a covenantal God. The new covenant is one of freedom, of, of living in God's peace and living in God's joy. Um, but his character and his ways and his means are always the same. So God's covenant with the Jewish people basically is oh, the, just get it together, right? Just keep it together. Don't sleep with the, don't sleep with people that are not your spouse. And anyway, I'll leave the other stuff alone. Like just behave yourself and I'll bless you. Don't serve other gods, serve me and I'll bless you. Do right and I'll bless you. Seek justice and I'll bless you. And so there's this, the, the covenant relationship is a very important part of, of what, we, what we get grafted into. We're not Jews. I don't know, maybe you're a Jew. I got a little Jew in me somewhere. And, but, so we're not, so Mike thinks it's funny. I got one giggle out of that. Little, I got a little guy in me with little, little uh, curls and black hat. And, see, I got uh, getting there. Okay. Um, it's all right. So even though we're not the Jewish people, we're grafted into that covenant. We're grafted into that relationship, meaning that we get all the benefits and the perks that comes along with it. And if we're smart enough, we'll know that and we'll realize that. The Jewish people are the most blessed people on the planet. They're the ones that have they've learned some weird secret of tapping into wealth, of tapping into prosperity, of allowing God to bless them, even in the worst of circumstances, in the worst situations you could possibly imagine. The most oppressed, enslaved people, the most exiled people in the history of the planet, they get, they're blessed financially, socially, with, with, with influence and power in all the areas of, of life, entertainment, uh, education, uh, inter, um, politics, you name it. They, they're players in everything and that they're a very small percentage of the population. But see, here's the good news. We're grafted into that blessing. We can do it. And I started this series saying, we just, we just, basically, we need to start thinking like a Jew. And I don't mean that flippantly. I mean that seriously. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says, remember the Lord your God. Okay, ready for this? You might disagree, but unfortunately it's the Bible and it's true. So you're going to have to get over it. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives you your wealth. He gives you the ability to produce your wealth. He gives you the ability to produce income. You didn't do it on your own, even though you think that you got the education to do it and pull it off within your own power and your own means. No, God is the one that gives us the ability to do it. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. So this covenant of God is more than just, all right, you guys behave and I'll bless you. You guys behave and then this land will be yours. The covenant of God says, you go into covenant with me and I'm going to make you prosperous. 
You follow all my commands, all my, all my decrees. You're faithful to me. Your heart's in the right place, and I will bless you. That's his promise to you. And we need to allow God to bless us. And the last two keys, these are the fun ones. The last of the key, one of the last of the keys, is the ability to take a risk. And then the second to the last key is intimacy with the Lord. All right. Review your history. Have you ever gone all in on something where you've taken a huge risk? Maybe you were in Vegas, you had a good hand, and you're just like, I'm all in, and you pushed all the chips to the, end, you know, to the middle of the table. I'm all in. You took that big, giant risk, and you lost. Has anybody ever done that one? Okay, so that's probably not the best illustration, but it's a really good one. It gets you right thinking in that direction, <laughs> right? It gets you thinking in that direction. Or let's say you, you took a risk in a relationship, like you actually made yourself vulnerable. Vulnerability is, is probably one of the hardest things that we can move into, and not only as people, but even as Christians, because we have to, in order to do the, this Christian walk right, we have to be vulnerable to one another. And a lot of us are struggling and being brothers and sisters in Christ because we don't know how to be vulnerable with one another because we have an experience of past pain. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes you, you had a relationship that went sideways. You, you opened yourself up. You were vulnerable and the individual hurt you. They took advantage of you and they dumped you, whatever. Maybe you did it with a friend. Maybe you did it with, with, you know, a work situation where you make yourself vulnerable and then it just, you get stabbed in the back. Most of us have dealt with something like that. And those heart wounds that, that we get, like, we've got to say, okay, Lord, this hurts, but make me vulnerable again. Give me the ability to risk again. Give me the ability to, to be intimate with you again. If you're dealing with heartache for being vulnerable with other people, you know what? Unfortunately, it can seep into your relationship with the Lord too. It goes something like this. Lord, I trusted you with this area of my life and you let me down. And therefore, I can't trust you anymore. God, I, I, uh, I went through a season where I was tithing and I'm broke. And so therefore, I can't trust you with this anymore because you let me down. Have you ever been let, have you ever felt like you've been let down by God? Is that just me? Come on, church. Yes. You go into, you're like, oh man, I really felt like God has led me to this job situation. And then it turns out to be an absolute nightmare. And you're wondering, man, do I even know the Lord's voice at all? Have you ever took a real estate risk? Like you thought it would be a bright idea to sell your home in California and move to Colorado. You thought that that was going to pay off. You really thought that the Lord was leading you there. And the market went south and it went sideways and you ended up upside down in your mortgage. And you're just thinking, wow, God, great. Thank you. I guess I can't trust you with my mortgage anymore. 
I guess I can't trust you with my housing situation because you let me down. Now, that is a place where we have to contend, not only in the spirit, but in the mind. In those moments of disappointment when we've been either been vulnerable with people or even vulnerable with the Lord, we have to choose to hold that thought captive. Will the Lord lead you into a situation that could quite possibly be a negative? Unfortunately, the answer is yes, if he can test and grow your character. And so here's the option that you have when you're faced with the disappointment. You can say, God, I can't trust you. You hurt me. Or you can say, Lord, what are you teaching me in this process? He is more concerned about your process of your spiritual growth than he is concerned about your material blessing. So what does it mean to risk? How do you risk again? It's actually a vital part of your spiritual life. It's a vital part of your growth. Risk and faith go hand in hand. John Wimber says that you spell faith R-I-S-K. And we need to continue just to live in this constant tension of risking for the Lord. And that, does, and that doesn't mean that you just, trust me, it doesn't mean that you go to Las Vegas and go all in on red. That's not what it means. What it means is, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to risk sharing my faith again, even though that person shut me down, even though that person made fun of me. I'm going to risk it again. It means that, okay, Lord, I didn't get that promotion. I didn't get that job. I'm choosing not to give up and not to go bitter and not to go south and not to, not to feed into negative self-talk. I choose to say, okay, I'm going to risk it again the next time I get the opportunity when that job comes up. I'm going to do it again. Instead of believing the lie, oh, well, maybe this is just where the Lord wants you. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, again, that's a wisdom call. But what I do know about the Lord is he doesn't want you to stay at a mediocre level. He just doesn't. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we don't see. This is what we're called into. We're called into risk, called into faith. That is the lifestyle, folks. That's the lifestyle of the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. It's to take a risk. Jesus took a risk on you. We've got to take a risk on whatever he's calling us into and just being faithful to what he's called us into. What does it look like financially? My dad gave me this note <laughs> between services. He says, your, your message is amazing, but you need to read this. Like, you need, to, you need to risk with wisdom. And when you're taking a risk, I even have to even use this language when you're rolling the dice, you better be doing it with Proverbs. You better read Proverbs. You better ask for the wisdom of God. Uh, one of the... I'm just going to do this. I'm sorry if I'm gonna, I might hurt somebody's feelings. I'm sorry. But 
because I, I want you to be, I want you to have the tools and the ability and the skill to generate income and wealth for yourself. So I'm not downgrading whatever you're doing or whatever God's called you to do. But we do know that the predatory multi-level marketing schemes, you know what those are? The predatory ones? The multi-level schemes that are completely, the pyramid schemes that are completely scams? They're Ponzi scams. Those things, strategically, they market churches because church folks are trusting and they want to be blessed. And we've all been burned by multi-level marketing Ponzi schemes. If you haven't, I have. Okay. Proverbs 21, 5 through 7. Steady plotting brings prosperity, not knee-jerk reactions. Oh, I feel about I feel good about I feel good about red. Let's roll the dice. No, you'll get burned every time on that one. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty specu- speculation brings poverty. So we have to do this thing wisely. God's called us into a wise way, uh, a reasonable way of taking risk. But if you're not taking risk at all, if you're just burying your talent, if you're not investing yourself, if you're not investing your money, if you're not investing your, 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 your abilities and your talents into the kingdom of heaven, there's nothing that's going to come up. Because you've sown nothing and you're going to reap nothing. And God will give us the wisdom how to invest properly financially. He's going to give us the, the ability to seek the right job that will bring us more, not just financial wealth, but more peace and more fulfillment in what God's called us to do. He's called you to do something very specific that's going to be fulfilling. And sometimes it's transient. Sometimes it's more than one thing in your lifetime. So anyway, uh, risk. Next point, one of the last one, is intimacy. And again, it goes hand in hand with the vulnerability. Probably one of the hardest things that we do is actually believing in this stuff. To actually believing that the Spirit of God wants to mingle with our spirit, activate our souls, ignite our lives with passion. Like, this is actually a hard thing for us to even believe. Like, we can get it intellectually, we can get it theologically, but actually getting it deep down inside of us is a difficult thing because we lack the intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy with the Lord, uh, at times, is extremely easy. Sometimes I can just go right into the intimacy with, with the Lord, and it's just like turning on the light switch. Like, whoa, thank you, God. I really need you right now. And then just turn the light switch on, and I'm in your presence. Peace, joy, freedom, everything that you need is in the presence of God. And it's there, and it's like, wow, and I'm getting communicated to. And, I, and I'm, I'm, it's like he's telling me things like, yeah, Josh, that dream was a pizza dream. This was a good dream. And he tells me things. He communicates clearly with me. But other times, this intimacy with the Lord requires work. And it's just like any other relationship that you go into. Sometimes your dating relationship, you're, you're, inst- you're, you're instantly connected, and you, you, know, you feel like you're, you know, you're soulmates, and you're all romantic and stuff. And then, and then you realize, well, this is going to take some work next time. Intimacy with the Lord requires that amount of work. Just as amount of work as you do with a real-life person, it's required with God, too. Intimacy with the Lord, out of all these different keys that we've gone through all over the past, you know, six weeks, 
Intimacy with the Lord is the number one key. It unlocks all doors. It shows you all possibilities. It gives you the mind of Christ to see beyond your own circumstances. It is, the Bible, Proverbs says that wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. So the only place that you can get wisdom is being in the presence of the Lord in intimate connection. So what does that look like? It's called prioritizing. Prioritizing. Remember we talked about this one circle with the, the circle that involves Murphy's Law and your car and your bills and your relationship problems. Remember this whole circle? It's a pretty big priority, right? All of your problems. And you have a strategy and you have a priority. I'm going to make my job my number one priority. I'm going to make, I'm going to make this relationship my number one priority. I'm going to make these bills and this career path I've got my number one priority. And then I'm going to ask God to bless it. And he doesn't work that way. It's really not a good idea to ask God to bless our decisions. Intimacy with the Lord begins to reveal where God's heart is on a specific situation in our lives. Intimacy with the Lord and putting that as a priority over all of our other obligations in life is actually the key to releasing heaven's resources. You have the ability, quite possibly, because you're born in America, you have the ability to release resources with your carnal keys with your education, with your bright mind, with your abilities. So, yeah, you can actually make it on your own. You can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And because of the freedom that we get to experience in this country, anybody can be rich and wealthy. The ones that are rich and wealthy, the millionaires, they're the ones that are just too stubborn to quit. The ones that do it without the Lord, they're too stubborn to quit. And they're unethical, too. Um, But they're too stubborn to quit. The average millionaire has gone bankrupt three and a half times. It's because they keep on taking risk. They're risk takers, even though when they get kicked in the teeth. And these aren't even Christians. So we can learn something from that. But you see, forget all that. Forget about the success. Your pathway to success is filthy rags in God's mind. Your self-help book to make you a, a more likable person so you can be, I don't know, I don't know, popular or whatever. I don't, it's just filthiness in God's eyes. He says something very specific to us. He says, now you need to make me priority. So instead of seeking your success, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Want to read it? It's in the red. Jesus said it. Matthew 6, 28 through 34. So annoying. Jesus is so annoying. (laughs) You'll get it in a second. He says, why do you worry? Like, come on, really, Jesus? You're asking me, why am I worrying? If you're living my life, wouldn't you be worrying too? Don't tell me not to worry, Jesus. I got lots of things to worry about. He says, don't worry. Don't worry about your clothes. I'm a dude, Jesus. I don't worry about my clothes. <laughs> don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your provisions. Don't worry about the material things in life. 
You see how the flowers, they grow. They don't labor or spin. I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the fields, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And again, here's another annoying comment by Jesus. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, you uh, weak-minded person that doesn't take risk. Oh, you of little faith who has lost the ability to be vulnerable. You've lost the ability to be vulnerable, and trust me, you've lost the ability to be vulnerable around your brothers and sisters. Oh, ye of little faith. You lack-hearted risk-taker. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where shall we live? What job am I going to get? Who am I going to marry? How is this all going to work out? Don't worry about such things. For the pagans run after all these things, and... Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's the the cool part. He says, don't worry about the material stuff. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we do know that you need those material things. This is a material world, and I am a material boy. Yeah? See, doesn't it? The young folks don't get that reference. It's okay. It's Madonna, by the way, just so you know. You see, we are material. We do have needs. And God knows that we have needs. He says, no, you're going to get that. You're going to get all of your needs and then some, but you have to first put the kingdom of heaven in the top priority. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, we do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will... Worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, don't seek the promotion. Seek a connection with God. Don't seek um, advancement. Seek intimacy with the Lord. Don't, uh, don't seek education. Seek a relationship with God first. That's the best education you can get. Like on my little cup, I have it's a little tagline for a church: relationship, not religion. So we can change that today. We could say relationship, um, not success. Relationship, not advancement. Relationship with Him, and not relationship with my own goals, my own priorities, and my own wills, and my own desires. You see, with inside of intimacy and true relationship with God, all the resources of heaven are now accessible to us. And what we are striving for, what we are working for, what we think that we need that that will make us happy, it's really not, we didn't even bother asking God if that's what will make us happy. And some of us have just been hitting this wall over and over and over again. And we're trying to break that wall down within our own power and our own abilities. 
and this is for some of you, not all of you, but that wall that you keep on hitting, that barrier that you cannot overcome, um, it's not in this circle of a biological failure. You're smart enough. You can do it. You've got your act together. You're emotionally intelligent. That's not the problem. And it's not this other ring right here that is uh, your circumstances and, you know, all these other, you know, problems that you've got, your bills, your relationships, your, you know, all, that's not, Murphy's Law is not the problem either. That's not the wall either. No, it's this other circle right here. It's a spiritual principality. There's a demonic force that's keeping you from moving into your destiny. And if you're not intimate with the Lord, you don't know how to pray that one out. You cannot contend in the spirit if you're not intimate with the Lord. You'll lose every time. You can't even come close to getting gold from heaven if you're not intimate with God. It doesn't, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a material boy, you're a material girl. But he could really care less about your material success. He could really care less about your financial statements and your prosperity. Now, what he's really concerned about, what he really cares about is the process of your heart. And is your heart prosperous? Is your heart wealthy? Do you have access to the things of heaven? And the answer is, how much time do you spend with him? And how connected are you to the things that God loves? We know that God loves faith. God loves righteousness. God loves justice. God loves peace. God loves mercy. There is a whole giant culture of God that he's really into. And when we are into what God is into, he is going to, ready for this? He is going to give us more time, more energy, more money, and more resources. Just think about it practically. I had a, I had a politician visit me this week as he's campaigning for political office. So he calls me up. He wants to, you know, he's campaigning me, whatever. And so I'm like, oh, gee, I don't have time for this. I'm like, okay, yeah, fine, I'll meet you. I'll give you, I'll give you a half an hour. Come on up and give me your sales pitch. I'll listen. I want to be involved in, you know, government and everything. I want to, I want to pretend like I care. Um, and so, you know, he comes into my office. We're just doing the small chat and, you know, getting to know each other, getting to know what his policies are, um, and, and so on and so forth. And, and then the kid does something very interesting. He says, is that a chess board? I'm like, yeah. He says, do you play chess? I'm like, yeah. And his, his eyes open up a little bit. I'm like, all right, dude, come on, let's play. And so that's what we did. Why? It's because he knew what my values were. He knew what, what, what my culture was. He was interested in the things that I was interested in. And because he was, I gave him more of my time. Do you want more of God's time? Or do you want to continue with your shallow prayer life? You want more of God's attention? Be interested in the things that he's interested in. Be interested in his culture. Be interested in his kingdom. It says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all of these things will be added unto you. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's wherever Jesus reigns and rules. It's whatever he's up to at the moment. If he's into healing, you need to be interested in healing at that time. God's going to give you more time. He's going to give you more resources. He's going to give you more money. He's going to, he wants you to, if you want to be a blessing to others, he's going to bless you. 
That's the way he works. That's his kingdom. That's how heaven is. It's completely upside down from what we experience here in our own craziness. Kingdom of heaven is knowing where to be at the right time at the right place. It's divine appointments. It's setting up. <laughs> you've, been, you've been trying to get meeting with this guy all week long. You give Jesus an hour, he's going to give you a minute that will change your life. He controls it all. So instead of working to it so hard, let's just rest in his presence. Being interested in what he is interested in tells the Lord that he can trust us with more. Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. It also says you don't have because you're not hanging out with God and you don't like what He likes. God likes mercy. God likes justice. God likes righteousness. God likes peace. He likes mercy. He likes healing. He likes prophecy. He likes words of knowledge. He likes heaven. He likes earth. He likes you. He even likes your annoying neighbor. So we begin to develop a heart for God and what he has a heart for. He's going to trust us with more. All right. John, why don't you come on up to the front? So risk and intimacy are the last two keys to the kingdom of heaven and his resources. God's desire is to prosper us. But in the kingdom, God's desire, his covenant is to prosper us. But in the kingdom, God is more concerned about the condition of our heart than he is concerned about our material success. Being vulnerable and risking, it's going to build your faith. I'm going to say it again. Being vulnerable and risking is going to build your faith. Okay, and I asked the Lord this week, how am I going to risk? What am I going to do that's going to step outside of my comfort zone? Am I going to... Invest money? Am I going to invest in a relationship? What is it, Lord? That's all up to you, and you and the Lord. Where is he, what is he asking you to risk today? And intimacy with the Lord is going to develop a heart inside of you that God can trust. That he can Intimacy with the Lord is going to develop a heart inside of you so that God can trust you with his toys. He can trust you with his gold. Let me get the ushers to come to the front. Would you just go ahead and pass those baskets? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for being a good and loving Heavenly Father. I pray you give us the ability just to capture every thought, make them obedient to Christ. Again, Lord, your word says... Faith is confidence. Risk is taking confidence in the Lord. Give us confidence to step out. Step out in faith this week. And draw us closer into an intimacy with the Lord. And I'm gonna I want everybody to stand right now. I'm just gonna minister to you in these areas of perception and and kind of at the beginning head of this 
message today, even in the area of um, anxiety and depression, because that's a that's a that's a spiritual principality that's keeping you from being prosperous. If you're depressed, if you're a depressed Christian, you can't prosper. And so, um, here it is. It's John ten ten again. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, I have come that you may have life. That you might have a prosperous life. That's the translation of it, by the way. You have a prosperous life. A full life. A life of fulfillment. Living life to the full. So here's the, here's the unspoken key to living life in the full. We need to spend more time paying attention to God's love for our heart than we do on spending time focusing on the thief. So we just need, right now, we need to cast away every thought. I'm not saying that we don't grieve and we don't mourn for those who are grieving and mourning, but we can't focus on the thief anymore. So let's just, so the thief that is stolen things from your life, the thief that is taken by the, by the, the scheme of fear, has taken your ability to be vulnerable from him, your ability to be trusting with others, that thief that has stolen that, uh, he says, no more in the name of Jesus. Spiritual warfare battle. Cast it out in the name. And just focus on God's love. And that he is the giver of life. Where the enemy of God is the taker of life, God is the giver of life. And he's going to give you life today. He's going to give you life in dead situations in your home. He's going to give you life in dead dreams that have long been buried. He's going to bring back a refreshed view of yourself and of your life. So I want to encourage you during this song, press on into intimacy with the Lord. It's the number one key that you can do right now. Let him speak to your heart. If you have a big decision that needs to be made, he's going to let you know it's the right one. If it's not the right one, you're going to feel a, uh, the best way I can say it, you're going to feel a conviction of the Holy Spirit, a check from the Holy Spirit not to do it. You'll have confidence in that. And some of you are going to, you're going to be walking through blessing in this coming season that you've never seen before in your entire life. And I can't wait to hear the testimony. Continuing to press on into God's presence.